passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, welcome to rewind. A draft. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. What's up, John? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm I'm trying to make sense of what I've watched uh, tonight. I'm, I'm trying to piece everything together. I have not completed this task yet, so I'm going to require your assistance over the next uh, hour <laughs> or so that we go through this show. I'm, I'm trying very hard to make sense of a lot of this. Okay, I'll do my best. Yeah. Oh, we have breaking news on Raw Talk. Lana has been drafted to Raw. Okay. All right. The undrafted Lana won the Battle Royal. She has now been drafted to Raw. I literally have Raw Talk running here. I've never watched this show. This is, this is as, re- as live as it gets. Natalia drafted to SmackDown. We'll have uh, breaking news all throughout the show, I'm sure. Well, they're, they're, they're announcing all of them right now. So let's oh. see what uh, the... They're they're just going to announce, I think, five picks here. So the next one, Riddick Moss to Raw. Okay. Exciting stuff. So they're not this even is really... Like... Uh, this is really slotting Andrade at uh, at quite the level. Who oh, he wasn't Remains drafted? undrafted. He has not been drafted yet. And he was eligible today? Yes. The Riot Squad to SmackDown. Okay. Both Ruby and Liv Morgan are going to SmackDown together. Okay. okay. And the last pick... Is Raw's Arturo Huas mm-hmm. goes to Raw. So that would mean from the pool of talent that was listed on the site for Raw tonight, these are the ones that remain undrafted. We've got Andrade, Eric of the Viking Raiders, Billy Kay, and Tamina and Zelina Vega. Yeah. Uh you said Natalia as well? Natalia got drafted. Oh, she did? She was just in this clump here. She went to SmackDown. Oh, on this one. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, Eric is, is out with an injury. We don't know if he'll get drafted. Um, but okay. They'll probably just keep him on the side. I'm imagining with Eric, it's probably the same as Mickey James, who also has an injury that when they're ready, they're just going to slot them wherever they need them. Mm, right. I mean, it's... I guess it really doesn't matter what brand they're on. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what's up with Andrade and Zelina. I mean, tonight it seemed like they were back together as a pair. Like, or Oh, dude. I, I don't know. I can't even get started on trying to make sense of it. I literally had to go back in my notes to 
the last segments that they had with it. The last time we saw Andrade and Zelina together, it was the night after the pay-per-view when Andrade had been teaming with Garza and he got the injury. And the next night, Andrade cuts a heel promo on Zelina Vega, calling her the weak link. And then tonight, Zelina's back to being a heel, which I guess she had never really turned babyface other than the promo where Andrade was running her down. I have no idea what this storyline is involving these three. It's awful. Yeah, there was a whole lot of stuff that was like done off screen uh, and and was made really inconsistent. All of a sudden, they were feuding with each other today. So uh, we'll try to dive into all that in the review. Well, did you have a nice Thanksgiving weekend? It was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, not so much for the Thanksgiving stuff itself, but just it was a nice weekend off, um, I guess, yesterday. Or... Um, Saturday, I mean, Saturday. So, of course, we're still in the midst of G1. Um, both reviews you and I had split up over the weekend are up there. Uh, great job with, with our guest co-hosts, Mike Murray and Mark Buckledy. Really enjoyed hearing their opinions. So that's up on the site right now. We're heading until the final week of the G1. Yes, yes. Uh, a great help over the weekend from Mike Murray, Mark Buckledy. I also want to give a shout-out to John Cena, who I thought did a really fantastic job recapping mm-hmm. Uh, and reporting on Spring Break from Saturday night and Bloodsport uh, on Sunday. Did you get a chance to see Bloodsport? I saw the final half of the show. Yeah, well, maybe we can uh, chat about that a little later on. I, I really enjoyed the show. It was like such an easy watch, like just over two hours. I found it to be a really uh, enjoyable show. I did not get to see Spring Break, uh, but I won't lie. When I saw the uh, four and a half hours, I mean, I'll probably go and like cherry pick some of the matches, but... There's no way I'm going to get through that entire thing. Well, I think at least an hour and 15 is the clusterfuck. So um, yes. you got to make at least time for that. I will not be making time for, for that. I, I can appreciate those that enjoy the, the clusterfuck, but um, I don't know. I Not your thing? Not, it's not my thing. I think it's really something for if you're live there in the building, which I, I've been there live for the clusterfuck, and it can be a lot of fun being in that crowd as – the most wackiest entrance uh, come in. But the one last year, which I guess we – did we go to spring break last year? I'm trying to recall. No, we didn't. No. We did we not. Reviewed but we it did after. watch it. I definitely watched it. And that, that, was, uh, that was a clusterfuck. So it is – it comes as advertised. Well, let's get into uh, what is coming up this week. It is uh, really centered around the G1. We have five more podcasts to go, including shows coming out Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, we will have – Two shows coming your way on Tuesday with the G1 and then Rewind Away covering Survivor Series 2002 and the brand split way. The very first brand split from 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Madison Square Garden, we have the debut of the Elimination Chamber and Brock Lesnar versus Big Show among the, uh, the matches. Have you completed Survivor Series yet? Uh, I just have the chamber left. Okay. Well, it's a... Uh... It's, it's quite the uh, quite the match. So we will be discussing all of that on Tuesday's episode of Rewind Away. Wednesday, we've got another G1 show, Rewind to Dynamite, and up next, what a, what a lineup. What a packed slate of shows on Wednesday. Oh, it's a fantastic Wednesday. Amazing. Friday, we've got a live Rewind to SmackDown, but... We are also making our G1 show that day free for everybody. It's going to be the A Block Final, their first night at Sumo Hall. So we will uh, have that show up for free. And we'll also kind of tee up 
the weekend ahead and maybe go over some of our top matches of the tournament so far. So that will be a free G1 show on Friday uh, to set you up for the weekend. And then Cafe members will get the B-Block final Saturday and the big finals coming up on Sunday. And then that will be it way. The G1 will be in the books for another year. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed to come by uh, so quickly. But uh, yeah, we're giving a, out a free show on Friday just to kind of, you know, uh, I know not everybody's uh, had uh, really the time to catch up on a lot of it. Hopefully this weekend was was that for some of you. But even if you haven't been catching up on some of the G1, we'll use Friday as a free show to let everybody know what, what really the most, you know, our top matches were uh, heading into the big weekend shows. Uh, so all of that, uh, you can find the schedule up at postwrestling.com. Also, a interview note that Andrew Thompson will be interviewing independent wrestler Eric Royal on Tuesday. So you can look forward to that coming up on the website. And, of course, the uh, the Up Next crew, uh, they probably have uh, countless shows coming out this week, not the least of which will be Up Next on Wednesday night, which uh, will go through the lineups of what uh, what NXT is going to counter the anniversary special of Dynamite with. It's... Uh, NXT is sparing no expense on Wednesday. Hey, uh, by the way, just a quick plug for our friend Andrew Thompson, our friend and colleague. He uh, is a guest on this week's PWT cast with a uh, friend of the show, Scrump. Scrump and Stank. So uh, do check that out. Look for PWT cast or if you download your podcast. Yes, yes. Check that out. A great interview with uh, the PWT cast crew with Andrew Thompson. So uh, check that out for sure. And Let's look at some news items uh, over the last couple of days. We go back to Friday, the first night of the draft. We have the number in from uh, Fox uh, that Show Buzz Daily had put up 2,178,000 viewers. So they were up about 23,000 viewers from the week prior. They did a 0. 0.6 in the 18 to 49 demo going against uh, the NBA game on ABC that did Almost 8.9 million viewers, as well as a Yankees-Tampa Bay Rays game uh, that did 3.7 million viewers. So I think what you take from this is that SmackDown did a normal number. Um, they didn't they didn't drop because of the sports competition, but they didn't gain anything from the draft. This was a push. And given that it was the draft, it was all those matches that they had promoted, especially Bailey and Sasha Banks. Um, I have to label this a disappointment that I don't think the draft means any kind of uh fan of the show that's going to if it's going to, if you're gonna stop what you're doing and tune into a handful of WWE shows a year, I think the draft maybe that used to be an occasion that you would do so. It isn't now. Yeah, this number I I was definitely you know uh, considering it a dis- disappointment. Um, you definitely have to ask what this number would have been had they not had a draft episode, had they not included it with Sasha Banks and, and Bailey. Um, is it a case of people at this point recognizing that, you know, uh, a significant match being given away on free TV is likely to lead to a non-finish? And clearly, I don't know if you can say that Sasha Banks versus Bailey meant nothing to a casual fan, because again, without it there, what would this number have been? Um, but I definitely don't think it's a good sign that, you know, your casual fan is at all interested in much of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. It, we're also at the point now, since we've passed the one year mark, that we can look at SmackDown year over year with a more accurate comparison as opposed to comparing it to when it was on USA. Now we have a Fox to Fox comparison. Last year's draft, they were down 24% in viewership and 
last year's show did a 1.0 in the 18 to 49 demo. So that's 40% down year over year. Now, it's not, I, I wouldn't paint that as, oh my God, the sky is falling because the NBA is gone now. It's like the season's done. And, you know, when you look at those Friday numbers, like SmackDown still does very well against the other network shows. They are often number one in 18 to 49 or at the worst tied for it. So you take out sports competition. I mean, SmackDown does very well in its slot. It's just notable that where we were a year ago versus now, it's like, like that's what we're looking at. That, you know, 2, 2.2, 2.3 million would be cause for celebration. And last year, I mean, that would have been very disappointing. Makes you wonder wonder what the new ceiling is for SmackDown. Um, even I think it's two point three million viewers that they did a few weeks ago. Coming out like with the Reigns thing really heating up. Um, you know that was. I feel like that's that's kind of like the high watermark uh, these days for SmackDown. And there there was a time, and I think if there was a lot of a lot more care given, fifty one weeks out of the year that the draft would mean something, but. To me, this just tells me like no one takes this seriously and switching guys back and forth. It's it's not even exciting that there's that kind of intrigue like this is such a ratings driven concept. The draft, it should be something that gets all your like fantasy elements in place and gets all these what if scenarios. And I think that there's such a detachment of that because it's not taken seriously the other 51 weeks of the year and you've seen what what is a dream match in the the wwe roster proper like is there any match that you're like oh my god that would be so cool if these two are on the same roster i don't know if one of those exists unless you're diving into like nxt for instance yeah i was gonna say you know it does feel like at this point uh, nxt and a main roster is still somewhat distinct and separate so any type of dream match pairing i would immediately maybe look to some crossover between those but as far as like raw and smackdown i'd really have to dig deep and i would have to probably pick somebody that was really fresh coming right out of nxt you know like a keith lee in order to think to think of those dream pairings um it's yeah it's just kind of the state of how they produce tv you know like they it's because of failing ratings that they think you know, crossing over several points in the year is going to make a difference. And as a result, you see the ramifications of that with something that is supposed to, you know, promote like a once a year crossing over between the brands. If you're going to be committed to the Survivor Series concept, would the best time of the year to do the draft be right after Survivor Series? Like make that your one time a year well, I mean, let's be honest. It's not going to be the one time of a year. But it, to me, this is the worst time that you're going to do all these switches right before you go to that pay-per-view where it's everyone against everyone, brand versus brand. So I don't know if right after or right – what did you say? Right before or right after? Right after. So you could do you could do these like Raw versus SmackDown matches and you could introduce some some teases for programs and then the draft could – reflect some of that after the fact. Like, instead of we're going to separate these rosters a month before, we're going to bring them all back together. And not just for one night, it's all the TV leading up to it as well that it just instantly dilutes whatever you've achieved with the draft. Yeah, personally, I th- I think with the way these rosters work, I, for me, I've never bought into the brand loyalty idea ever anyway. So I don't think it, to me, it makes all that much of a difference whether or not you do the draft before or after. Um, what if they had T-shirts? Well, um, are they? Um, one could be red, 
Yeah. The others could be blue, mm-hmm. and then you would know which side each one is on. Yeah. Yeah. I never really subconsciously you would see the 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 uh, the dis- the disintegration of the roster. Uh, and again, it's not even such a concept that I think is unsalvageable. All they really have to do is just state at the end of it some incentive for why these people are putting aside their feuds in order to come together uh, for one month, you know, for brand loyalty. Like, tell me something. Tell me it's for a title shot if you win, happen to win your Survivor Series match or uh, even if it's just a, a pay increase, bonuses, you know, for for that month. Something to really let me buy into it. Um, but we haven't had that even- yet. Even right down to who gets the first pick in the draft. Like, Raw But got what the incentive first... is there for the wrestlers for that? For the wrestlers? Well, what, what incentive is there to wrestle on behalf of your brand? At well, the that's it. At this, the, exactly it. Um, well, I would say, you know, if it was the promise of a title shot or, or you know, fictitious money pay, payouts, that would be something. You know, you would need some selfish incentive. Like there, that's not even brought up that on Friday, Raw got the first pick. They literally could have chosen Roman Reigns right off the bat. And there's no explanation of why they get that coveted first pick. There's no lottery. There's well, no. The, the logic is, you know, uh, Raw, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, Raw, right? That's each round, isn't it? Yeah, but Raw, why do they get the first pick of anyone on the roster? Because you get three Raw picks for every two SmackDown. So if SmackDown gets the first pick in that round, how would you do the rest? So SmackDown has to give up potentially anybody by not having that that first pick. You could, you could do it yeah. where SmackDown wins and they get the first and fifth pick and Raw gets two, three, four. That just complicates first- it, doesn't it? It, it to me makes a lot more sense than having the first pick is just handed out. Like again, this is why I think you're thinking about the things that like I don't know how much of the casual audience is really thinking about, and and there are arguments that we are that are absolutely valid that you and I might get into, that fans might get into, that I think uh, relies them re- definitely calls upon them to think about it a little bit harder. But I don't know if we're getting into that territory or if we're just getting to like too deep of a territory to that. Well, wait, there's no thought put into this. Like, I don't think there's any thought put into this of, uh, of any like strategy behind this of, of why. So uh, to me, like I've, I've seen these often enough that to me, it's just like they have the rosters that they want. Okay. They probably talk to the different writing staffs or whatever. This is the roster I want. And this is the roster you want. And this, what you're seeing on these draft shows is just a formal announcing of the rosters. I mean, you know, they might there might be some sort of I don't know pecking order uh, as far as you know people on the card where they rank. Um, yeah, but we I, learned tonight Titus O'Neil is ahead of Alistair Black. That's what we learned about the pecking order. I guess so, but I mean, I guess I've kind of stopped looking at these as you know any form of like logical. Hey, why didn't they get Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre on the same show? Well, I, I think when you apply any of that that you don't care i think that has been reflected in the interest that has declined your year years in the making of of these drafts that people are just checked out of it i mean they, they don't see put i any guess thought i just, into it I, because I just, they know it's silly to apply any kind of logic that you would a normal draft that has i mean you look at the 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 programming and the strategy that goes into any sports yeah. draft i mean it's such a cool thing if you're a fan and 
you're going into this and all the different uh like different you're talking deals about that a are company going... that can't even book like week to week i'm really not expecting that level of thought being put into just one draft episode i get again maybe it just speaks to me as maybe a jaded fan at this point but i just look at the the drafts as just like announcing what the teams are rather than you know some some sort sort of like dramatic sequencing uh, intri- intricate sequencing of 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 you know somebody picking somebody who's supposed to be the best and then trading for another person or something like that. WWE, uh, this was reported first by PWInsider.com, appears to be extending their stay at the Amway Center. So the Thunderdome will go into November uh, at least for uh, several more weeks. uh, And we'll see if it's a, a longer stay. I would think that part of all this thinking is like when... When will the NBA look to resume? And if they're outside of a bubble, which uh, is po- is possible, they had a lot of great success with this bubble. But will the Amway Center be needed? Um, if that's what the players are pushing for, if the NBA uh, ends up resuming, because until then, this is largely just an empty building. That I would say, as long as WWE is willing to pay the rent, why would Amway Center turn them away? Yeah, and I, I, I do wonder if at the time that the, the original deal was struck, if, if there was any thought about whether or not things would be open enough in the world for them to even consider touring. Um, at this point, really hard to say. But then again, I mean, Florida opening up the way it has, they can do a Florida loop. Um, is there enough incentive for them to tour like the same buildings every single week? I don't know about that. But um, yeah, they'll probably, you know, look to stay as long as they can. Yeah, and I, they they're not going to have any shortage of options in Florida. Like, there's no restrictions that they have to be concerned about. It's it, it's the state to run in uh, at the moment. It's the place to be, <laughs> Florida. So on Friday, Finn Balor underwent surgery, and he posted an, an update today. He had successful surgery with Doctor Patel. <laughs> this is Doctor Anup Patel. Uh, not to be confused with uh, our resident doctor, Alex Patel. But he underwent surgery for two fractures of his jaw, uh, including one going into my tooth. After the tooth was removed, I was wired shut to restore my bite and help align the fractures. Then three plates were screwed in to fixate the fractures for a quick recovery. Thankfully, no wires were needed after surgery. He went this to- sounds... This sounds really fun. Oh, he went into, uh, you know, a lot of detail about this particular injury, and it was worse than I thought. I mean, you know, when you hear two skull, like jaw fractures, that's never good. But when you hear it described in this detail, including one fracture going into a tooth and oh. all the resulting um, things they had to do to it, including wiring the dude shut, screws being added to, to, to the jaw, it's like this was a, a very significant injury, so... You definitely wonder about the recovery time. So, yeah, hopefully it's not something too significant that he's he's out for. Um, and, I mean, th- there's a way to just, ex- you know, you just utilize. Like, this was such a brutal match that he had with Kyle O'Reilly and work it into that. That's why he can't compete a- at the moment. I, I would hesitate that they would want to do anything drastic with the title after just finishing uh, stripping another champion due to injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they hadn't had a similar situation with Karrion Cross recently, I, I, I do wonder if, you know, depending on the layoff, whether or not they would consider it. But um, could you could you, cons- could you consider the idea of an interim championship? 
I, I don't hate that idea. Like if we're looking at something where it's a two month recovery, um, do an interim title, and then you have the automatic match when Balor's ready. If it's if it's going to be longer than you know a month or so, or in between, like your cycle for your next takeover event. Uh, I think that's that's a tool you could utilize, and people readily accept interim titles. I think they're very much accepting of of that, and there's a completely logical reason to install one. And we, I guess, still await maybe some more information about Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, they have been uh, quiet about Kyle O'Reilly and what a, you know, b- both guys like. As much as I love that match, it was also like an enormous toll that these two took as a result of that that match on TakeOver. Mm-hmm. So the G1, as we mentioned, they are going into their final week. Um, so we have in the A block, it's down to Jay White, Kota Ibushi, Will Ospreay, and Kazuchika Okada. So eliminated are Tomohiro Ishii, Taichi, Minoru Suzuki, Shingo Takagi, Jeff Cobb, and yes, Yujiro. Yujiro's out of it. Uh, on the B block side, Evil and Naito lead the block with 10 points. Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., and Sonata are all still in it with 8 points. And it's by, like, the slimmest of mathematical equations that I guess Toriyano is technically in this, but is all but out of this. He Kenta as well, like, even more unlikely. But, yeah, technically the man might still be in. Kenta has... He hasn't faced Naito yet, right? And he has what what did he do with Evil? He lost to Evil and he hasn't faced Naito yet. So yes, he would he would absolutely have to win his last two matches and I'm not gonna Just get into all the Just a tie. And everybody else would have to it would have to be a catastrophic, like weird predicament. No one could get to eleven points, essentially. Whereas in the A block, it's the four way tie with ten points, and since one of the matches in hand is Osprey and Okada that guarantees one of them is getting at at least one more point, and that takes everybody else out. So I think the the math at this point is always very complicated, but they uncomplicate it very quickly once the shows progress. So by the end of Wednesday, I think we'll have a very clear picture of what needs to be done on the final two uh, nights for the A Block final and the B Block final. But Tuesday show, we'll see. Man, we did you see the whole Saturday Osaka card? I did. It was fantastic. Uh, one of the best shows of the year, the best show of the tournament. I, th- I thought it was show of the year. It was amazing. And then I'm looking at Tuesday's show. This has the potential to, to rival it. We have Will Ospreay against Jeff Cobb, Kota Ibushi against Yujiro, Shingo Takagi against Taichi, Minoru Suzuki versus Jay White, and Kazuchika Okada versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, yeah, I mean, as is the case with this entire tournament, almost every single one of these A-block shows has been um, completely stellar, top to bottom. I mean, there are only two-hour watches uh, if you count out the, what is it, um, the intermission. Even even the Young Lion, ma- Lion match is always delivered. So I look forward to talking about two more of these that we got coming up. And how 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 are you faring, Way, in the uh, oh. the C-block you've made? I, I thought you were making, like, so- some inroads. It's a battle between me and the robot. Uh, at the very bottom, unfortunately. And uh, I think Vivian Murray will definitely pull ahead of both of us uh, coming up. But I, it, it's a race to the bottom with me and Randobot. I just need to be that, beat that robot. Well, yeah, you can follow along. G1 podcast coming out Tuesday and Wednesday afternoon with Wei and I going through uh, the upcoming shows. So Wednesday, 
AEW has uh, one of their biggest shows. It's their anniversary card of Dynamite, and they are now advertising that all the titles will be on the line. We have John Moxley against Lance Archer for the AEW title, Cody and Orange Cassidy for the TNT title, Hikaru Shida against Big Swole for the women's title, and FTR versus Best Friends for the tag titles. Now, on the other side of the fence is NXT and Way. The question that the promo is built around, what will Ember Moon, Dexter Loomis, and Tony Storm have in store on Wednesday? (laughs) That's the promo for NXT on Wednesday. That's what they're coming back with against this anniversary special. Like, I, I thought for sure they would even... Like when they first announced that Moxley Archer match, it's like, okay, what will what will NXT do on this week? They're just throwing in the the towel on on this week's show. Like they aren't countering with anything. Well, again, like you have to look at what NXT ha- has available to them right now. They they don't have Finn Balor, they don't have Kyle O'Reilly. They still have several other people though. But I mean, it it feels like they're not kind of playing into the competition game for this go around, and instead. Um, are just kind of letting things be. And I'm actually curious to see what the ratings are. I mean, if all these trends have indicated anything, it's that each show has its very hardcore, diehard fan base. And I think despite, you know, maybe the discrepancy in how good these cards look, you're still going to get, you know, whatever the 600,000 that typically watch NXT probably still watching that show. I think they did announce on the show, they are doing that Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez match. Do you, does that does that ring a bell? So. I think so. Well, tonight's promo was so weird because they kept airing that generic promo built around those three, and they didn't mention that that match at all. Well, clearly not the draw. I guess not. Um, so anyway, we we will see what they are uh, going to co- uh, combat AEW with, and. Did you get a chance to see Being the Elite today? It was actually a really interesting episode, mainly for the Young Bucks Hangman Page feud. Uh, I read a recap. I haven't watched it. Tell me, please. So they started off the show with a clip from August of 2019 where Hangman Page is getting ready for the match with Jericho for the title. And he goes up to the Young Bucks and he says, you know how you guys would second Kenny for his big matches? Do you guys think you could do the same for me? And the Bucks are hesitant because they've got their ladder match that night with Phoenix and Pentagon. And they've also got their, their producing duties. And Paige is, okay, I understand. I understand. Don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. And I was like, what a, what a great clip to dig into your archive to remind people that here the Bucks were, that they, they would not do the same thing for Hangman that they did for Kenny. So throughout the show, it's still, uh, Brandon Cutler playing the go-between between between both of them. And he's out with Hangman and he's been going out with Hangman every night where Hangman gets drunk and he's throwing, (laughs) he's throwing watermelons out of the back of a truck as they're driving. And then he throws a pumpkin and then we have Cutler going to the young bucks and he's just trying to convince them to just have a conversation with Hangman Page. Hangman's always talking about you guys. He just wants you to make make the first step. Let's get the one conversation. We'll get all of this. It'll be water under the bridge. So the Bucks are really torn about this. You can see they still care about Hangman, but they're very upset with how everything has gone on. And finally, 
Matt decides he's going to send him a text. So him and Nick are on Matt's phone and Matt writes out a really heartfelt text saying, Hangman, let's just forget that the last year happened. We just need to sit down and have one conversation. I love you, dude. And he sends the message and it goes to Hangman's phone, but the phone is inside of the pumpkin. When he was drunk, he lost his phone and a mysterious person finds the phone and responds, fuck you, Matt. Our friendship is over. And the Bucks are pissed at this. They don't want anything to do with Hangman Page. But the mystery is who found the phone. Interesting. Who do you think? I think all signs point to Kenny. Hmm. So anyway, I thought this was like a much needed kind of uh, catch you up to speed on this program, utilizing that clip from last year. And I think that uh, th- this story is like much more back on track. I think just watching, I-, I thought it was like a really good episode of Being the Elite, just based around this uh, particular story with with the three of them. So that that part was good. They're also doing a tournament for this BTE championship where we got to see Matt versus Nick Jackson on the show. But the first round matches are all contested playing Gator Golf around Daly's place. And Matt defeated Nick. What's Gator Golf? Gator Golf is like that kid's... It's like miniature golf, essentially, where you have to putt the the ball into a gator's mouth. And whoever can do it <laughs> in the least amount of shots advances. And it was it was quite the dramatic game that Matt and Nick had. And Matt just blew it on his like first shot and then made the big comeback. Like they were, they were explaining that they used to play this around the impact zone with Jay lethal and Okada back when they were all together in impact. Wow. So anyway, that was, that was being the elite. Cool. Uh, any thoughts on, on blood sport before we get into raw? Uh, I saw, uh, a couple matches from on, on the show. Um, Really enjoyed Moxley Dickinson. Um, I mean, it was good to finally see John, John Moxley in that Bloodsport environment as a competitor after like several false starts, and uh, he looked awesome. Like it's it's it was wonderful to to see his him like focused on a strictly grappling style. Um, thought he brought great intensity along with Chris Dickinson, of course, and it ultimately ended up being a bit more of like a New Japan style type of match, but. Um, the both of them, I thought, delivered a really strong main event. You know, I wouldn't say the strongest of the Bloodsport main events uh, by any means. To me, that's still like Suzuki and, and, and Josh Barnett. Um, and I really, though, would like to see Moxley continue, like, you know, to fulfill, um, like, some of those Bloodsport matches that he was going to have. Either with, uh, like, really with Josh Barnett, I think at this point is probably the only one they can really do. So I hope he returns if he's allowed. Um uh, Davy Boy Smith looked awesome too against Josh Alexander. Um, he he always delivers in that environment. I uh, also saw the uh, Tom Lawler homicide match. Uh, that was enjoyable too. I mean, it's just nice to see wrestlers like kind of use a different style uh, of wrestling and um, seeing a crowd that was very open and appreciative of it. So I looked up here for NXT next week. Apparently, last week they had announced Zaya Lee versus Shotzi Blackheart. So. We've got that on Wednesdays too, so it's it's a war now. So no Rio Gonzalez, or sorry, Rhea Ripley. And uh, I'm not seeing it here, but I 
who knows? I I could have sworn though that they had announced that, but I might be totally just uh, out to lunch on the on that particular match. Nonetheless, that's uh, that's NXT. Um, just to add on Bloodsport, I really. I just I, I really dig the presentation of it. I enjoyed Lenny Leonard quite a lot doing the like the solo commentary for it. I think he's really fantastic. Um, Homicide and Tom Waller, I thought they were great together. Tom Waller is probably the best equipped for this style, given like the deep involvement he had at the highest level for MMA and his love of pro wrestling. Like he is just such a perfect fit for this concept. And I thought him and Homicide had a really entertaining match. Um, Main event was strong. I, I was hoping, like, Davey Boy and Josh Alexander, it was kind of the, you know, the finish can come out of nowhere. But I was really hoping for that one to be, like, your big epic war that those two were uh, building up to. It was like a five-minute match. But you watch that show, and it just seems like there's so many little things you could take and apply to a Raw Underground. And we've talked about this at times. Like, a regular suplex like can be a finisher. Like you can just do so many things that the crowd is accepting of that can finish a match. Like the half and half suplex that uh, Simon Grimm did uh, in the opener with Matt Mikowski. And then the Liger bomb with uh, Davey boy and Josh Alexander. And to me, it's just, there, there's, it's just such a fun show. It's fast paced. And, and you only get, you know, one max two a year. Oh, I always enjoy them. Uh, I always look forward to them. Um, you know, I feel like this year was it's definitely like weird because um, you're de- dealing with, of course, a, a sparser crowd. You're dealing with probably a roster that, um, you know, you're severely limited by, not just because of like uh, COVID, but also because of everybody's being signed on to all these different brands. You're not you don't have the, the atm- atmosphere or really the, the options of a WrestleMania weekend. But, um, you know, nonetheless, I, I think they delivered a pretty enjoyable show. Yeah, um, I'd recommend the show if you if you enjoy that style. Like it was a very very easy show to uh, t- to watch and get through. All right, with that, we will now move on to the draft edition of Raw from the Thunderdome, and we began the show with Randy Orton coming out, and we recapped his victory over Drew McIntyre last week, and. He notes that he will get the Hell in a Cell match against Drew regardless of whether he's drafted to SmackDown or not. It's been the year of Drew McIntyre. I'm sure at the end of the year, that is what everyone will be running with as the headline. The year of Drew McIntyre. In the WWE, I think they would. He has become one of the faces of WWE, and they note that he has not been pinned in almost a full year up until last week. Do you know who the last person to pin him on TV was? Oh, full year? Jeez. Um, was that the Survivor Series? Oh, okay. Um, let me try to think. Is it Keith Lee? Close. Um, Randy Orton. It was Roman Reigns. Oh, okay. Hmm. Drew comes out, leads to a big fight, and Orton gets the worst of it, bailing on the ramp, and Drew promises to make Randy Orton's life hell yeah i guess um an attempt to like you know just kind of further these two with the physical um encounter throughout this entire show that's really all this episode seemed like for these two um they're having their match you've kind of done all you really need to do anyway let's just remind people that this match is happening by having these two continue to brawl throughout the show i 
I, I thought, you know, with this, this kind of, like, I really like the idea of Orton kind of like being the first person in a whole year to pin Drew McIntyre. And I almost wish that they carried that momentum a little bit further here. Um, rather than just having Drew beat Orton, Orton up again. I, I mean, it's been so long, and I think they've been so protective of Drew in a good way of having him not be able to show any sort of like vulnerability that I think it would have been nice to have Drew continue to sell the loss a little bit more. Yeah, and, and next week's the go-home show for Hell in a Cell, so we're already at this next pay-per-view, which, I mean, for this feud, it's... Let's just get to the match. I, I think they've kind of exhausted this feud. It's ready to hit its conclusion and next week should be I, I hope they both just get like some promos I, I think like we've done the brawling and I don't know that's not really increasing my interest in in this match I think we should just get two big solid promos next week and maybe a brawl at the end of the show sure maybe some gator golf well I mean you've got both on Raw for the foreseeable future. And I mean, you do, you already have the Hell in a Cell gimmick. You want to save Gator Golf for when you absolutely need to pull the switch on that. It's its own pay-per-view, I think. So our first round, Stephanie is out. And the first pick for this month, for this week, The Fiend Bray Wyatt is selected by Raw. SmackDown picks Bailey. Raw chooses Randy Orton. SmackDown chooses the Raw Tag Champions, the Street Profits. And Raw selects Charlotte Flair. Yeah, so essentially trading the Raw Tag Team Champions for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, and Wait, what are you going to do? One's got the Raw Championships on SmackDown and the SmackDown Champions are on Raw? How will we get out of this? Well, Adam Pearce has a great idea that's coming right up. But uh, also significant is the idea that The Fiend and, and Roman Reigns are now separated. So whatever tease that they might have had uh, of a Re Roman Reigns versus Fiend program, it seems like they've dropped any plans for that. And I think that's a very good call. Like, I don't even know if they, you know, rumors of The Fiend being a babyface are, um, you know, go th this doesn't seem to indicate that. And certainly the rest of the show doesn't seem to indicate that at all. Um, I think that's a probably a good plan because I think he is a very untested baby face. And I think especially being paired with somebody as realistic right now as a Roman Reigns, it's totally the wrong type of tone. So I'm glad to see these two like just split off. And I mean, this also would confirm like the Orton edge program will stay on raw as well. Sure. Yeah. Alistair black versus Kevin Owens, no DQ match. Owens is out in street clothes and he gets kicked in the ribs on the floor, but then comes back throwing black against the barricade and hits a cannonball, then gets a table out. O Owens gets launched off the barricade through the announcer's desk, which this poor announcer's desk took a beating on this show. They always do. We took, we got two table breaks. Um, they should get insurance for those things. Black then sweeps the leg. This is after the commercial. Owens goes right into the chair face first. But Owens uses the chair to block a knee strike, hits a DDT. Then he sets up four chairs in the ring. They fight on the turnbuckle. Owens is knocked down. And he takes a meteora from Aleister Black onto the four chairs. I thought for sure this was the end. But no, Owens kicks out. Black sets up a table. And the stunner gets blocked. And Aleister Black hits a black mass to the post. I'm going to say this. I've been very uh, picky about these usages of the post. 
Uh, but between last night where we had the no ropes for blood sport and a guy got thrown into the post and then the black mass to the post, way more creative use in the last 24 hours. Yeah. There's a stunner inside the ring and then he power bombs Alistair Black through a table and Owens wins in 12 minutes and three seconds. I'll say this at least. At least the winner got drafted significantly higher than the loser. Although this still made little sense why Alistair did so poorly. But, dude, Kevin Owens has had a bit of a stretch here of just some really quality matches. And this continued that streak. He's all, He always delivers in the ring. Um, but, you know, as far as character and storyline and things that last, I can't say he's had a very good stretch at all. In fact, it's been really the opposite. And to see his treatment over the past couple episodes, yeah, the matches were good. But it's like one kind of shitty feud after another. This was a really good phys- physical match, as you would expect. But this Alistair Black thing with Kevin Owens uh, has gone on for way too long. And I thought was really weak and confusing with its motivations to even start with. Um, even Owens himself has talked about how weak the story is. So it's um, it's it's a program that I'm really happy to see conclude. And um, hopefully... I would hope that it's con- concluding because Alistair Black... I was going to say, way I don't know. <laughs> like, this felt like the blow-off to it, but I also didn't expect the two to stay together, which they are going to on SmackDown. They're both moving to SmackDown. Uh, and I don't know. Um, I'm I'm hoping that they kept separate, are, are kept separated because I think this entire heel turn has been uh, really bad for Aleister Black. Um, and as far as Kevin Owens goes, like, I'm kind of surprised that they even booked this match because after, like, they've treated every fiend match as a significant change for the opponent that uh has lost to the fiend and after um losing to the fiend on what is it um friday you know typically like people either go off television for a bit or they at least have some sort of character change they turn heel or whatever and at least if we're looking at just this this example of kevin owens return to tv he seems to be same baby face you know really unchanged by the fiend at all so I, it's either that they're delaying uh, a turn, perhaps, or maybe this Fiend match was really just kind of a poorly rushed, you know, ill-conceived match for a little reason than to have the Fiend beat somebody on their way to, to Raw. I don't know why that person had to be Kevin Owens. Okay, it's October 13th. Before the end of the year, they go to Owens versus Zayn on SmackDown. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's inevitable. They can't help themselves. Yeah. So... Round two, Braun Strowman goes to Raw, which I think was pretty much expected. So that uh, ensures the Keith Lee feud, which they're going to very quickly next week. SmackDown keeps Daniel Bryan. Raw gets Matt Riddle. SmackDown gets Kevin Owens. And Jeff Hardy goes to Raw. So several switches here. Um, four out of the five moving moving shows. And yeah, just seems like they are... Yeah. Any of these that really jump out at you? Well, I mean, Brian could have really, you know, at this point, they're essentially moving so many pieces from both shows that even if you stayed on one show, you're still like facing a pretty fresh crop of talent. And Brian just happens to be one of those that's staying. And I think knowing that he's been contributing to the SmackDown writing staff, it makes total sense. Uh, Riddle continuing to be paired with Hardy. They might possibly continue that uh, broetry and motion tag team that they set up on Friday. Um, I think Owens being on SmackDown probably replaces like Miz TV with the KO show as exactly. well. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, you have the two talk shows separate. Uh, this can set up your RK Bro feud. RK Bro. Okay. And Jeff Hardy to Raw. 
why not? He's got a really big high-profile program coming his way on Raw, it appears. Uh, and Brian, I like being on the show with Reigns and separated from Drew Gulak as well. <laughs> right. Miz TV, they brought out Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Mandy calls it petty that Miz had her move to Raw in order to punish Otis. You are ruining people's lives. Miz points out she has a new partner, new music, new hair, and you're winning. What do you have to complain about? Dana wants Mandy. Dana says she wants to be Mandy's partner, and there's no jealousy like Sonya Deville had for Mandy. And tonight, they're both in the Battle Royal, and may the best woman win. Natalia and Lana interrupt, and they don't know why they are not the ones being interviewed. Lana says she is the winningest and savviest social media influencer, and she's the one with two ex-husbands and an ex-girlfriend. I thought that was hilarious. Um, more amusing is the fact that I think I'm pretty sure like much of, if not all of that happened over the past year. It all happened over the past year. The divorce to Rusev, the, I guess we didn't even get like the big divorce with Lashley and Lana. It was just said that they're <laughs> like the better, most better easiest divorce ever where two coworkers exist every week without any problems. Nor did we have any payoff to the Liv Morgan thing. Uh, so no I'm, no, I'm glad she was able to make fun of her own storylines here. It's been a ridiculous year. Oh, dude, she's for whatever you want to say about Lana, like she's just been put through the ringer of awful ideas that just get dropped cold that she has to just uh, move on from. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the least of which is this tag team with Natalia, which yeah. is broken up by the end of the night. Mandy says maybe they should spend less time on TikTok and more time training than you could actually win a match. And they all fought. We come back after the break. Miz and Morrison are still in the ring. Miz is going to interview Morrison, but they're interrupted by Lars Sullivan. And Lars just attacks Morrison. Miz tries to pull him out, but then gives up and basically abandons Morrison, who takes the freak accident. Um, But this is going nowhere because Lars is going somewhere, and that is to SmackDown. I have no idea how, like, John Morrison just ended up being the fall guy in this, like, Miz and Morrison tag team for the Miz, you know? Uh Disappointing because I think just like based on raw talent, he should definitely be at least at like a U.S. title level or IC title level. But he's instead just kind of being treated as like, what is he like? He's the Lana of the group, you know, constantly getting beaten up. So that's kind of disappointing. Uh, But a segment like this, again, just kind of shows you where they view tag teams. And, you know, it's no I, I don't think it's any sort of like coincidence that Lars has been targeting tag teams. Last week, it was like. Riddle and Hardy. This week it's Miz and Morrison. And that's just, they just see, I think it just shows you like that, you know, where they see tag teams as like very lowly slotted, you know, jobber level types of guys in some cases. Yeah. This was not like the 24 seven guys that could have just been sacrificed to Lars. Um, It was like, this was such an unnecessary segment other than we want Lars in a segment where he kills dudes and it's going to be Miz and Morrison. So, or at least specifically Morrison. Adam Pierce has solved the problem of the tag team champions. We've got Street Profits going to SmackDown with the Raw belts and Kofi and Xavier coming to Raw with the SmackDown belts. So <laughs> you guys exchange belts. <laughs> and that's what they did. And then 
Rude and Ziggler appear, and they complain, saying they deserve a shot at the Raw tag titles. So Adam Pearce, in his infinite wisdom, decides, sure, you guys are eligible to be drafted, so why don't we give you a chance to win these titles and leave with them? Well, I thought the trade made was like perfectly fine. You know, like why add complication and drama when there didn't need to be? But the fact that Dolphin Rude like were put in this position, I think it was really ill timed. You know, they really should have drafted those two after the match because um announcing that they were drafted after they got the title shot but before getting the match to me just took all drama out of that match. I think the idea was, oh my god, what 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 will happen if they win? But I mean, any oh any no, fan no watching this, that, that only guarantees that that's not happening. It's like having a five-way tie in the A block. It's not going to happen at the end of this. It's going to figure itself out. And this was not going to be a problem. Um, but nonetheless, Adam Pierce uh, didn't come off. Uh, this was like, what a bad match to book. Yeah. Third round. Now things got really interesting. Rod decided, who should we draft? Who's available? Well, we could draft the two guys that could steal these tag titles from us. We could also steal the Intercontinental title or Retribution. So they drafted Mustafa Ali, T-Bar, Mace, Slapjack, and Reckoning. And uh, it it had been uh, reported over the past week that it looks like retaliation. Mercedes Martinez is no longer part of this group. Now, what was interesting, she was not only listed on the site, but she was also in the graphic uh, at the beginning of the show when they showed everyone that was available. So, but not not at the end. But not at where the graphic of when they announced it here. No, she was not in the graphic here. So she's obviously not part of the group moving forward. And I think it's expected that she will be going back to NXT. I guess the question is, uh, does she go back just as a complete reset as Mercedes Martinez? Or, or as retaliation? She, it, no. Does she go as this character in I, NXT? I would think that you just want to separate her from the group. Yeah. But why was she even in the graphic tonight? They probably just forgot to take her out. I mean, there are a lot of people in that graphic. Okay, well, uh, that is it. See, I can't see them touching this, like, ridiculous, cartoony, you know, Antifa gimmick in NXT. Um, it just wouldn't Well, fit. I'm saying, do they keep the name and give it, like, a different... Oh, God, no. Like, it's not the same gimmick, it's just, it's the name. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to see her wrestle as retaliation on NXT. Again, it's just, I think, too cartoony for, like, NXT's taste. Um... It's Are you familiar with Robert Stone, the woman that she was associated with prior? Well, that's a good point. Maybe maybe they, they can be a bootleg retaliation with Robert Stone as, like, stone work. Uh, so here's the other deal, is that we drafted Retribution. It, was, it, it, it wasn't even a thought of the announcers of why is Raw choosing these, these, this group to destroy us. But then they had been advertising... That Mustafa Ali would explain his actions on tonight's show. And tonight came and went, and we never heard from Mustafa Ali. No, they just dropped that. So that was disappointing. Um, Yeah, who knows why. SmackDown drafts Lars Sullivan. 
Yep. Who do you think? Who do you think his program is with? Because he's obviously steamrolling through some babyface. Um, could be um, Kevin Owens. You know, could oh, be. It could be Kevin Owens. Could be Daniel Bryan if he makes a return. Uh, but almost feels like it's a, a further program for Lars rather than the first program. Um, but getting steamrolled. Let me think about this. Who else is on SmackDown? Um, you know who I ultimately like not. Not right away because he's involved in a program, but I don't think they'll be able to. I, I think Ray's going to get Lars Sullivan duty at some point. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Like just with the size difference and a big baby face like Ray, uh, we'll see how far they go with Lars. It's uh, we will see with with what happens. Raw selects Keith Lee. SmackDown chooses King Corbin and Raw picks Alexa Bliss. So it's obvious like the Bray Alexa Bliss act, they were clearly going to keep together and they will be on Raw together uh, like the two doinks at WrestleMania 9, uh, just doing mirror image maneuvers together. Oh, miming. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Okay. Did you get any sense at the end of SmackDown that, you you saw Kevin Owens being a, a, any part of this with uh, the Fiend or extending that beyond Friday, whether it's him aligning with the Fiend or feuding with the Fiend. Not really. That was just like your your one off. Yeah, you're right. Like tonight, it was never even addressed or him selling any effects of it. And in fact, he came back better than ever. He like dominated Aleister Black. Everything about like that Fiend Owens program tells me that it was like a last minute decision and that it was probably scheduled for somebody else. You know, before Feed headed to another show. I don't know. It just felt incredibly odd. And it almost felt like they were completely ignoring the fact that it happened today. Seth Rollins came out for his farewell address. He says no one can fill the void he's leaving behind. It's not going to be Ray or Dominic because they're moving to SmackDown as well. And Jeff Hardy interrupts him. Hardy says, well, since I'm on Raw, this is technically my ring now. Rollins says you should be focused on your match this Friday with Lars Sullivan which they had been promoting, uh, but this was news to Jeff Hardy, who found out, oh, Christ. Not everybody's on Twitter. No, I guess not. Um, and for Jeff, I mean, if he doesn't want this match, he just shouldn't show up on Friday. What are they going to do? I'm off that show. Um, I'm not going to give good. you guys a rating. You're the competition now. No, this works? Well, the spirit of competition. You know, spirit of competition. AJ is out next. Uh, he laughs about Jeff Hardy having an alcohol addiction, stumbling to the ring. And he says he is the footprint. He does not fill anyone's shoes. I hope that is a new tagline for AJ. And we get a shirt of a footprint. A footprint. Not the I am the footprint. Hmm. Rollins argues with AJ, Jeff goes after all of them, and we get an impromptu three-way with Styles, Rollins, and Hardy. Um, this turned into a fun match. Hardy was on the floor, and Rollins hit a sling blade and super kick combo to Styles, then hit tope suicidas to both men. We went through the break, Hardy selling his knee after the whisper in the wind, and Styles hit an inverted DDT, got a two-count. The Styles clash gets stopped with a springboard knee from Rollins. I thought Rollins looked very good in this match. Um, he caught Styles with a Falcon arrow, then goes for the stomp, but it gets countered with AJ, uh, sorry, Hardy coming off AJ's back with a swinging DDT. 
Then AJ applies the calf crusher to Rollins, and Hardy sets up for the swanton. AJ releases the hold, so Jeff hits the swanton to Rollins, and then AJ tries to send Jeff to the floor to steal the pin on Rollins, but Rollins kicks out of the swanton. The Styles Clash gets blocked. There's a twist of fate by Hardy, and then a guitar smashes over Jeff Hardy. And for a second, you thought Jeff Jarrett's here on to interrupt. But Jeff it's Jarrett has been drafted to Raw? Uh, I guess not. Uh, so <laughs> Elias is back. He smashes the guitar over Jeff. And, of course, there's no DQ in a triple threat. So Styles pins Hardy in 14 minutes and 24 seconds. I thought this was a very good match. It was um like almost like a nice going away treat for this what felt like a bit of a kind of a crossroads edition of this show where these three meet temporarily and then they go their separate ways, ways again. Uh, Rollins, of course, like fits perfectly with the chemistry that Hardy and AJ have been building over their program over the past several months. So it resulted in a really excellent TV match with the ultimate purpose of surprising us with Elias's return. Uh, setting him up for that program against Jeff Hardy. A clean finish definitely would have been nice, but I I don't I don't think it was the focus of all this. You know, there's no feud to blow up between these three, to blow off between these three, I mean, and instead it it was needed to put focus on a returning Elias, which it did. And we go into the fourth round, and wouldn't you know it, Raw picks Elias. They just saw the dollar signs here of this Elias Jeff Hardy program. Then SmackDown picks the Intercontinental Champion, Sami Zayn. Yeah, it's very low for the IC title. I'm kind of surprised. Oh my they... god, this title looked like, like what a worthless title. Mm-hmm. Raw selects Lacey Evans. SmackDown picks Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. And Raw chooses Sheamus. I wasn't sure that Nakamura and Cesaro would stay as a team, but it's it's nice to see that they are. Um, I think the promise of like a a match between those two and the Street Profits, primarily really like a pairing between Cesaro and Montez Ford. Those sequences are probably going to be awesome. Um, it's a refresh for Lacey Evans. She's done nothing, I would say, of note on SmackDown um, in need of a reset. And of course, Raw needs more blondes. Didn't we just see Cesaro Nakamura against the Street Profits that week? They had the tag champions face each other for no reason. Yes, you're right. We did. That just happened not all that long ago. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke against Natalia and Lana. They got the heat on Dana for a while. Lana came over and slapped Mandy on the apron. This allowed Dana to roll her up for a two count. Rose comes in. She gave a very fitting tribute to Conan with her forward roll into a clothesline. And then Dana hits a senton off Rose's shoulders for the pinfall. So we, we did get a double team maneuver out of Rose and Dana. They pin Lana. And then afterwards, Natalia looks pissed. She comes up to Lana and asks, are you really that stupid? This isn't working out anymore. I'm done. And she leaves Lana in tears. Yeah, the team's done. Just like that. Yes. As uh, the WWE Twitter announced, the boat has sailed. <laughs> Very good. good. Not bad. And uh, Natalia moves to SmackDown as we learn on Raw Talk. On Raw Talk, yes. The, the breakup. What a, what a run they had. The boat. I can't really say it worked out. You know, I mean, a, a team based off of uh, their love of TikTok. Um, I know they're very good friends in real life. It just didn't really translate to, I think, a competitive tag team 
it's it, it was it was definitely a struggle whether it was like Lana strictly being a manager of Natalia or them together as a tag team just not clicking at all so I'm happy to see Natalia uh, break off into something else maybe as a singles competitor on SmackDown um, you know Mandy and Dana they are definitely continuing to push as a serious team they have a joint Titantron now they have matching outfits and uh, even in ring I appreciate like some of their efforts to continue to cement that status they've got some double team maneuvers they've been working on some joint tag team poses so um they're developing you know like they're they're both kind of in that middle range where like they're they're definitely advancing they're definitely improving but still in the grand scheme of things at a pretty low level so um you know we see what 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 be, maybe being a tag team will do for them um thinking about who they have to work against now I mean, Shayna and Naya. Wait, it's a t- literally they drafted Liv and Ruby away, and it's two teams on Raw. That that's your division. It's it's really rough. Um, I mean, then again, it's like that. If you hold those belts, you could jump from any to any show, right? So yeah, Naya so you have Shayna, the, you have the three team division that is spread out over two shows. It's it's you know there are a lot of people clamoring for those tag titles, but it's like they haven't done a great job of booking them. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a weak area. And by the end of the night, um, it would be uh, Lana is the best. Lana, number thirty-one draft pick of the night, hmm. number one contender, and number one contender. The Hurt Business are, uh, including the returning Cedric Alexander, are in the back, and our favorite babyface walks up. They ask Ricochet, "Are you a glutton for punishment?" He says, I want one more match. He explains his logic here. Apollo might leave for SmackDown, and I'd be all alone here on Raw. It's not good for your business to have to deal with me every week, bothering you guys and wasting your time. So we can have one more match tonight. If I win, you guys are done with me. But if I win, I will join the Hurt Business. They say, sure, this is a great, this this makes a lot of sense for us. So, sure, Ricochet, we're on. So, we would get quite the match still to come. All yeah, right. I, was ha- I was happy to finally hear some stakes attached to these, like, endless series of matches. And, I mean, something like this at least promised, like, a finality to this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Like, nothing was more definitive than the end of this. Still to come. Angel comes out. And they announced that as we go to break, he will be facing his now former partner, Andrade. Huh? The last we saw these two, they were challenging for the tag titles. Angel got hurt. Andrade was upset at Zelina the next night. So during that time, they have broken up, and now we are getting the match, which I guess is a step above Peyton Royce and Billy Kay having their blow-off feud on last week's main event. So they, uh, they at least got on Raw. Zelina, who announced she was done with these two before Clash of Champions. She had divorced herself from these two. She is out at ringside now. Yeah, she, she explains that she had she has contractual obligations for tonight, but after this week she's done. So of course She the did not is, have these contractual obligations at Clash of Champions. She had already left by then. Yeah, what happened to the obligations for the past several weeks? She would be in breach of contract, which I was I was in breach of logic here as I was trying to figure out this feud. So 
Andrade is kicking away at the wrapped leg of Garza. Phillips noted the injury, but he's cleared. He, uh, they're on the floor. Andrade tells Zelina, this is for you. And as he is distracted, Garza runs him into the apron and then tells Zelina, this is for you. And he hits the wing clipper, pinning Garza. Our big blow off comes in two minutes and 54 seconds. And then Zelina comes in to check on the loser, Andrade. So maybe these two will find a home together on some brand as they remain undrafted at the end of this. But this feud, when you combine everything that this team has gone through. I mean, this was a very promising team, and my God, are they the furthest thing from it now? I don't even, I don't even know if they were all that promising. I mean, maybe at the start they might have been, but by this point, I think we had seen them in so many, you know, breakup teases, so many countless matches against the Street Profits that I had really lost all my interest for them. So, I mean, a break is is definitely for the better, and it almost feels like after this, like I wonder if they even had like second. You know, second thoughts about um, breaking up on uh, uh, Zelina and Andrade. So we'll see what happens with those two. It, it It's definitely like odd that they, you know, for as highly ranked as they might be in storyline, are missing from being drafted. So maybe that'll play itself out uh, at some point. But it feel, feels like they just needed to do this match rather quickly. And I don't know if like there were weeks of story that we missed out due to Angel's injury. Um but it was weird. Like I don't just even... imagine what we would have done during those two weeks that he was gone. Just figure it out for yourself, and that was the story. Well, clearly, like a breakup was supposed to occur, like uh, after the loss to to what is it? Um, the, was it the Street Profits? Whatever the match at yes. the at the pay per view. You know, clearly some sort of like um, rift was supposed to brew again between these two. <laughs> It's like they had two. They had the last two weeks of Raw booked for this breakup, and they just well, he was injured, so we're just going to go forward as if he had been here to do those segments that none of us have seen. That's that's pretty much it. Is that we're just going to pretend all that stuff happened, even though it didn't, and we're just fast forwarding to the end. Yeah, it's very sloppy. I mean, at the very least, I think they could have shot like some sort of backstage segment to tell us why these two suddenly hated each other after we last saw them. They, they were the best of friends again. So uh, in the end, they just, I, I really feel like at the end of all this, they just needed like an intergender couple for Alexa Bliss and the Fiend to lay out. And that's kind of what you had. There's a, there's a really great commentary from Brandon Thurston on his WrestleNomics show from this weekend. And he spends like the last 20 minutes of his show just talking about all of the, kind of residual effects of the Monday night war that were utilized at that time, such as, you know, stars facing each other every week, a million angles, a show, every single person with a storyline in, it just never stopped. Even though, you know, WCW ended, it was like, this was the way that we do television. And here we are 19 years later and still doing the same thing. And it rings true for something like this, that, Yes, this is a throwaway feud that nobody cares about, but, you know, a breakup, it should be a big deal. But when you have such trivial feuds like this, I think that there is a a, a very destructive effect on the whole show that you're somewhat removed from because you see such trivial things like this where this is, this is just such – it's an angle that – an angle by its very definition is designed to heighten interest. It's supposed to be something out of the norm that grabs your attention. And when you have angles up and down the show and stuff like this, 
It's like what's going to really resonate with you? It has to be something like unbelievable that's going to truly grab a fan these days because a breakup, like that's not that's not a big deal any longer because it's like this is our example here. These two would be better off having no program at all. I think it's a breakup. Like I think breakups still matter if it's a team that is over and has been together for a long time. Like we're seeing right now with you know Biggie and the New Day. Um, depending on maybe like I'm sure like the Friday. How, segment, how big of a deal is it? Like tonight, I think it's a big what, deal. What, what impact did it have tonight on Kofi and Xavier? Was it, it was barely it was mentioned, but it's like they're just going to go their separate ways. It's like it's yeah, but they're doing it. Well, I mean, what what are you looking for? Like them to like be crying about it? Like what 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 kind of like they're doing a farewell on Friday? Um, like it's still a big deal to an audience when it did occur. It's I mean I don't even look at that as like a, like a breakup. It's like there's no feud in that sense it's like they're being broken up by the company but i mean you watch this i mean this is a, like it had a number of false starts they were barely a team to begin with you know every week they're fighting over something teasing breaking up so and the dude went out with an injury there's like there's simply no emotional attachment attached to him round five of the draft raw selects the twisted sister nikki cross yeah smack yes She's not going to take this, uh, but she's staying with Alexa Bliss because I guess she wouldn't be able to have this nickname without her partner. Uh, are they still partners? Um, I don't know. Cross has been out for quite a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if they reignite that or they have no affiliation any longer. SmackDown selects Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Uh-oh. They're in the next match for the Raw Tag Titles. What will happen? Raw chooses 24-7 champion R-Truth. SmackDown picks Apollo Crews. So Ricochet was on point with his concerns. And Raw picks Daba Kato. Yeah. Yeah, so might have been his official call-up, I guess, from the underground. Or maybe he's just exclusive to underground. Who knows? Yeah, they never mentioned Raw underground on the show tonight, did they? Stephanie mentioned it uh, in reference to Dabakato. That's so right. Still a she called him Shane's favorite, Dabakato. Yeah. So the tag title match was Kofi and Xavier Woods against Ziggler and Rude. And Rude sends uh, Ziggler up, comes down with a famouser. We go through the commercial break. Kingston gets out of the way from Rude, and he makes the hot tag to Woods, who makes the comeback. He hits the honor roll, and Tom Phillips says, I haven't seen that in a while. Confirming that Tom was watching the the Heat and the La- or the the Lakers game on on Friday. Fridays are uh, busy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Tom's brand loyal. He's not watching SmackDown. Mm-hmm. It's a military press by Ziggler. Uh, then he hits another honor roll just for Tom. Uh, actually, this one's countered with a spinebuster. Ziggler pulls Kofi to the floor. Uh, it got it got pretty good here at the end. Kofi comes off the steps, taking out Ziggler. Makes the blind tag. Rude gets hit off the apron, and they hit the midnight hour and win the match in 12 minutes. And Kingston and Woods save the Raw tag titles for Raw. I thought it was a good match. I think Woods continues to look very good post-return. Um, establishes the new day on Raw, I guess. But I, I really wish they would have ex- you know, left the Dolphin-Rude draft for after this match because it just really kind of sucked any, any sort of drama out of this. Charlie is with Elias. And he reminds us 
This guy, Jeff Hardy, hit me with a goddamn car. Charlie says the subject is still at large. We've got the world's worst investigation that's been going on for months, quietly. Uh, so so bad that I, I don't think anybody remembers it. Um, I'd totally forgotten about it. Elias says he was not ready to die, and a car cannot stop him. It did stop him for several months, in fairness. Meanwhile, during his time off, he wrote his magnum opus. He's got a new album coming out October 26th called Universal Truth. And he's going to host a concert next Monday, and it's going to be unforgettable, especially for Jeff Hardy. And it will be on the season premiere of Raw. Yeah, I forget, like, was Elias a heel when he left? Oh, please, way. Um, didn't he face Corbin at WrestleMania? So he was... He was a babyface at Mania, but that was March. So by the time we got to that angle, that was that was when? The spring? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Um, he's a heel now. He's a heel, and I'm glad to have him back as a heel. And, you know, without a crowd there to turn him babyface... Um, I mean, I guess we're kind of safe to have the same allies that we all enjoyed back then again. So, um, I appreciated the reminder about the car, car angle, uh, seemed to be an indication that they're hoping to pay it off. And they did mention what there was a mystery man with red hair and he, he's so convinced that that was Jeff Hardy. Jeff have have red hair at the time. Don't think so. I thought this had been solved that it had been Seamus, but I guess it was only implied it was Seamus. Not to Elias. He's convinced is, that it's Jeff Hardy. But, I mean, I'm sure Seamus brought up the up. red hair. Is this going to be revealed that Eva Marie was driving the car? Oh, that was the other news, or at least rumor, that was circulating today. Yes. So, it's, it's believed that uh, Eva Marie is coming back. And uh, Mike Johnson reported she was she's in Orlando. So she could be on potentially this week even. Um, I think that's I, actually probably who it is. I mean, he made it very clear about the red hair. And that might be, they were like, how do we get out of this angle? Who's got red hair? Eva Marie's got red hair. Well, I mean, this, the tease would be Seamus, but um, I guess the surprise would, would be Eva Marie. So we'll see how yeah. that all works out. I guess this makes Seamus the red herring. Yes. Yes, it would. Damn. Damn. I'm just, I'm just hitting blanks tonight, aren't I, Way? No, I'm laughing on the inside. Cedric Alexander against Ricochet. Alexander is dominating him. MVP encourages him to slap Ricochet. Ricochet then catches him with an inside cradle and a half-and-half suplex, and he's fighting back. He lands several big kicks and then runs into a Michinoku driver from Alexander for a two-count, but in kicking out, the referee gets hurt. So MVP throws a chair in that Ricochet intercepts. The Hurt Business get on the apron, and Ricochet, with the referee down, slams the mat with the chair, making a loud sound, tosses the chair a la Eddie Guerrero to Cedric, and he goes down. The referee sees the chair in Cedric's hands and calls for the DQ five minutes and four seconds as our triumphant babyface runs away from the Hurt Business, and he has duped them into honoring their word that they will now leave this guy alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a baby face this ricochet oh is. Oh, God. Are you kidding Holy me? Holy Christ. I think they this... just, clearly they just needed an out, out of this. They didn't want to beat the Hurt Business. 
um, and Ricochet, but they just wanted to end the program and for some reason give the babyface the win. Definitely not a very satisfying conclusion if you're a Ricochet fan, you know, uh, against this this poor guy getting bullied by these people throughout the entire summer. Outsmart, yeah, I mean, the, the argument is that, okay, he did outsmart them, outsmart them, but I wouldn't exactly call this revenge. You know, like, getting revenge would be to inflict some sort of damage and pain to the group. Like, revenge would be Ricochet beating Lashley for the U.S. title, or causing some sort of, like, significant loss to the group. Um, this was just, like, you know, managing to get them to stop paying attention to him, which I guess to Ricochet is, is a overall positive. But you know what the what the valuable property is in this feud, right? It's the Hurt Business, and Ricochet is just going to be, continue, you know, another guy on the on the undercard. Yeah, that like, I don't know. By the end of, I really was, and this was completely stupid on my part. Like, I thought, okay, Ricochet and Cedric are going to go out. They're going to have a really hot match, and Ricochet will get the win at the end of this. And then the feud's done, and Cedric is the 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 most sacrificial. Uh, realistically, like the guy could have afforded the loss. I don't think it really would have mattered, but. Okay, this is our latest reset on Ricochet for the brand split. But by the end of this, man, this was the death knell on Ricochet. Like, that is where he is slotted. And it is, like, main event level. Not the main event level, but the show main event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he is going to be kind of in that camp of of people really clamoring to see him return to NXT, um, if not even leaving the company. Because I can't really see, like, him having that great of a rebrand on Raw, unfortunately. Oh, I don't think he's getting any kind of reset on on Raw. It just, man, this was something else. They recap the exhibition from last week between Braun Strowman and Keith Lee. They will have a match, a sanctioned match next week on the season premiere of Raw. Uh, They didn't even bring up the possibility that Braun Strowman could win the Universal title on Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Totally forgot that. That's, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Again, it's just like a lame duck match that no one, no one in the world believes. So let's not be surprised when, oh my God, they promoted a universal title match and it didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Round six of the draft. This is where Alistair Black is uh, just shaking back and forth in his dark room. It's like, what's, what's taking them so long? Raw. This is, this is who Raw picked ahead of Alistair Black. Titus O'Neil. SmackDown picks Carmella. Raw looks at the available talent. They look at Aleister Black. But you know what? We're going with Peyton Royce. SmackDown then chooses Black. And then Raw says, damn it. (laughs) We'll take Akira Tozawa. Not that Andrade guy. So the ninja is drafted to Raw. You know, um, there's only so much room for dudes with one eye. And um, nobody really wanted this weird guy who sits in the dark. You know what? If anyone had brought up that, you know what? Aleister Black has not been the same since his eye injury. And we just saw Kevin Owens have his way with this guy. He's a liability. Is this guy 100% healthy? I would have taken that way. I would have taken any explanation. Give me anything. I think that's where the bar is. Any acknowledgement of anything will be, oh, okay. I'm not going to question it. They covered for it. Yeah. Anyway, poor Alistair. Man, has this guy's, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens on SmackDown. If it, if it's a new program for him or if 
they see much in him. Probably also means uh, Zelina is going to SmackDown as well. Um, and that might also mean Andrade as well. Well, that would mean you're keeping one couple together, but splitting up another. But as we should also note that during this whole, like as long as they're in Orlando, I mean, if the couple is Florida-based, I mean, it's really not like as bad as it traditionally is. I mean, if you're mm. driving distance to Amway Center or at most you're home the next day, it's not like you're getting on a plane and gone for three, four days on a different tour. So it's less inconvenient for couples than it would be would be for a normal year. But eventually you'll get back to that. So um, Asuka comes out for the Battle Royal. Uh, she was going to do commentary, but I guess in her contract, she only had to do one segment of commentary before she too was going to get tired of this match and leave. So in the Battle Royal, it's a dual brand Battle Royal with Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Billy Kay, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Tamina, Bianca Belair, Natalia, Mandy Rose, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce, and Dana Brooke. Jax gets on the microphone and says she's probably going to win or Baszler will. So you guys should just eliminate yourselves. That would have been the best battle royal ever if all these women just jumped over and it was Nia and Shayna left. Yeah, well, Tamina's ended the show a bit faster. Well, then you, you could have done draft analysis for the last 15 minutes of the show, gone through all these picks. Tamina's out first, followed by Billy Kay, both by Nia Jax. Jackson charges at the apron and nails Mandy and Brooke both off the apron. Our future and only number one contenders for the tag titles gone. Then they all gang up on Jax, and then Baszler does the uh, the Shawn Michaels to Diesel spot, where she comes from behind and tips over her partner, and Jax is out and throws a fit, and then in the highlight of the match, grabs Alana and puts her through the test with the Samoan drop. Yes, yes. At this point, I think it's <laughs> it's a really funny running gag. This was the fourth time. So then we cut to the back, and Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton are still here, and they're fighting backstage. Randy gouges Drew's eye, and I don't know if everyone just has uh, just uh, PTSD from the Ray Seth Rollins program, but when Drew grabbed his eye, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> we come back from break. Evans eliminates Nikki Cross with the woman's right. Belair uses the KOD to eliminate Shayna, so that was her big elimination. But then the Riot Squad just eliminate Belair, so she's gone. Evans and Natalia uh, eliminate the Riot Squad in opposite corners, and we think it's left to Evans and Natalia rekindling their feud. Asuka has left. She's now in the back watching the rest of this match. I don't know why she didn't want to do commentary any longer, but she's gone. They fight on the edge of the apron for several minutes. Byron reminds us both feet must touch the floor. Good reminder. Natalia holds on to the middle rope and then grabs Lana by the legs, swings her against the post, and Lana falls down to the floor. But the bell doesn't ring because Lana comes back from the dead from the table spot and comes to eliminate Natalia from behind. Lana is the number one contender at 11 minutes and 25 seconds. She will take on Asuka on next Monday's show. Yeah, TV TV match. Yes, um, I thought it was just fun. You know, I I didn't think it overstayed its welcome. It was quick. Um, I thought the Lana thing was actually well executed here, and they 
even set it up at the with the angle at the beginning of the show, and this was the payoff at the very end. So, you know, Lana versus Asuka is this is probably like the only way you could ever justify Lana getting any sort of title match. It's a huge mismatch, of course, from a character standpoint. Maybe the biggest you could possibly have on the Raw uh, side of things. But um, they can have fun with it, you know. It's it's hard for a TV match. It can it can be fine, but or it can be terrible. And then to close the show, more fighting between Drew and Orton. This time ringside, Byron says, "I can't wait to see this match." They get separated by officials, and Samoa Joe notes there will be a reckoning, but apparently there will not be a retaliation. And that's yes. how we end the show. That's right. I thought this was a pretty poor episode, to be quite honest. I think some of the gaps in logic in some of these stories are just really inexcusable at times. I think that they're, I, I was, I just look at the draft as like a great possibility for a reset and I didn't really feel it was met. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens with some of these roster changes. I just, I just find like th- there's way too many holes in so many of these. It, it really becomes like you have to fill in the gaps for a lot of this if you want to have like some cohesive stories going. And I just thought that there was just a preponderance of them of just you're what either shaking holes? your head. Uh, I mean, I don't do, disagree do you want- with you that there were holes, but I feel like they were holes made so that you could have a clean slate. You know, it felt like this week was just like raw, like you were maybe a little carelessly just like wrapping up a lot of things that they're that were going on for the better part of the year just so we can, you know, just because it was the last time that these people were going to meet. And so I, you know, I'm like, down. I actually enjoyed tonight's Raw. It had a feeling of just, like, finality to a number of things. Can't say they were all logical or satisfying, but I was happy to see them end. I think it had some good matches, some fresh appearances and returns. Well, uh, so we get on SmackDown... Reigns against uh, Strowman for the title. Lars Sullivan against Jeff Hardy. And then next Monday on Raw, they have announced Asuka and Lana. Uh, We have Keith Lee against Braun Strowman. And the Elias concert. Mm -hmm. For our go-home show for Hell in a Cell. And I guess we need some more matches for Hell in a Cell. But those will probably come out of these uh, next shows as we... We'll see what they do if they establish some new programs and just uh, just speed them up to the pay-per-view at Hell in a Cell or or where we go with, with some of these. Because what do we have? Like the three cell matches, I think, are all we've got for the pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, you would expect maybe something with Ray and Seth or Murphy or Dominic, you know, some some combination of those guys. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, cell matches. Probably won't be as, as deep a card given the cell matches are all going to require... Yeah, a significant amount of time like that should eat up at least half the show. Those three matches and these shows have been like what, like two and a half hours, so mm-hmm. they don't yeah. really need a whole lot. You could get by with a six match show with three of them as cells. I think that would be more than satisfactory. Like hold off on like why race any of these new programs? You've just made all these roster changes. I, I guess the other issue is that the next pay per view you're you had the whole Survivor Series issue. So mm-hmm. I mean, starting any programs now it's it's kind of tough if you're either speed them up for hell in a cell or you almost have to hold off for a month until survivor series is done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a bit weird. Um, survivor series, I think always is. So I, I don't know. Maybe they have to spend the whole month getting everybody to become friends 
to make Survivor Series believable. Just looking at some of the moves from tonight, uh, what do you see for AJ? AJ Styles on uh, Raw. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be kind of firmly established in that mid-tier group. Um, you know, as a program for Drew McIntyre, I would absolutely love it. Mm. Um, it seems, though, like he's almost at this point too much of a jokey character for Drew McIntyre. But, of course, they can always change that with, like, you know, good, serious booking. Um, like, I know the matches, like, if, if we're talking about, like, you know, the possibility of Drew McIntyre having the best matches of his run, uh, that would be a lot of fun. A possible, like, Keith Lee, AJ Styles program, I think would be a lot of fun, too. But um, who, who else is sort of in that mid-tier as a baby? I mean, they've they've brought over Matt Riddle, which, I mean, they kind of did on SmackDown. Um yeah, I I think they have a lot of work to do with with Matt Riddle. Um, I get in that middle tier. I mean, AJ and Ricochet, like that, just feels like they mm-hmm. just wrapped. I mean, they they did that last year. Um, did they for for a while? They did a program for quite a bit of time where AJ just continually beat them. I don't think they see Ricochet near that level, so I I don't see that one happening. Um. Yeah, those those are kind of your babyface options right now. I would say Riddle. I do like the Drew program, especially whether he's keeping the title or not. Um, you could you could still get there. D- do you have any like solid idea about the direction you go with Orton and Drew after this pay per view? Well, uh, this seems like it's a blow off, in my opinion. I think I think Randy Orton should win um, and have Drew set him up, like set Drew up for a big Mania uh, comeback victory. Um, we know we're probably not going to get a uh, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns type of thing this year. So uh, have, you know, um, or have Drew like at least win the belt back at some point. And I don't think he needs the belt throughout all the way from now until WrestleMania. Um, and, you know, in that time, you can fill his programs with somebody like an AJ Styles. Um, so do we have like updated rosters? Would you like um, care to? Yes. Let me uh, let me go here. I mean, to... we don't have to go through everybody, but. Um, for the most part, like they're largely the same, except for, you know, I mean, they, they've like transplanted like a bunch of like complete programs, like the whole Rollins Mysterio program has been moved to SmackDown. Uh, if you want to call Owens and black a program that's been moved to SmackDown as well. Um, her, you know, her business and retribution is, it will probably continue. Um, but you also, of course have new day there as well now. That's true. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like the idea of getting to like uh, Ali and Kofi at some point. I think that's probably not the immediate program, but that's that's interesting. Something you could do down the road. Um, just looking at Raw. So they've got Drew, Asuka, AJ, Naomi. Yeah, last week didn't really bolster too much on the Raw side. And tonight's show... I mean, it's really like a lot of like just individual parts like Keith Lee and Braun Strowman are kind of tied together. You've got Riddle who doesn't have anything going on. Sorry, I've got these all like uh, spread out between yeah, yeah. Raw and SmackDown. Titus um, O'Neil. Titus O'Neil. Um, Bray Wyatt on Raw. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he's staying as a baby face right now. Um it could be Andrade. You know, you mentioned, like, what is it, um, Charlotte being on Raw. So Andrade might stay on Raw. Um, but it's that seems like a really cold feud, so. Oh, my God, dude. The, the Fiend. Fiend. The Fiend and Matt Riddle. 
Yeah, sure. Or ultimately, <laughs> like the Fiend and Drew McIntyre, of course, is is a match that oh, we'll probably Jesus get. Jesus Christ! Yeah, the dude Roman Reigns is the winner of the draft. Then, <laughs> yeah, oh, Christ, you're you're not wrong. It's just, man, that's I don't know. I I think there's a placement for for the Fiend, but it's not with your world champion. And I think that that's been made real clear. This is a guy that does not need the title and does significant damage, especially in a in a program with your babyface world champion. It'll be a challenge to see how like they can make Drew into like a believable babyface against somebody like the Fiend. If the Fiend is going to stay as a heel, um, it's it's a different, definitely a different tone for like a Drew McIntyre program than we've ever seen. But like Drew is a good promo. He's a good storyteller on the microphone. The story just has to be there. It has to be good. So and yeah, we'll see. Uh, we also um, over the last few days they had several of the. Uh, quote-unquote free agents uh, from the SmackDown pool. Um, first of all, after SmackDown ended, they announced uh, Tucker, Drew Gulak, and Umberto Carrillo going to Raw, and Murphy and Kalisto on SmackDown. Then today, they announced that uh, Shorty G has been drafted to SmackDown, so he's staying there. Thank God his, uh, he's not going to have his program interrupted. So he he's their ricochet. What's his program? Uh, losing quickly oh he lost Sheamus so he can't even lose he'll lose to someone else then routinely maybe Corbin he'll move on to and then Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik were drafted to Raw on the watch along tonight yes so can you imagine these guys asking hey what brand are we on watch the show on Monday okay we're we're gonna watch (laughs) Raw no no the show that watches the show that's where we're going to assign your brand so the only remaining free agent would be Mickey James who was listed in the pool on Friday did not get drafted and I guess we'll see where Uh, she ends up out with an injury like like Eric yes so there you go that was the draft uh let's go on over to the forum and we will get your reaction to tonight's show and draft. Do you want to kick things off with the poll? Yeah, the poll. What did you guys think? Five out of ten for tonight's show. We go to Nick from Lansing who says, So is the story that undrafted Lana gets a title shot? Uh, well, yeah, she got drafted at the end. So he says uh, it's an interesting They, they grabbed her immediately on Raw Talk, though. So Raw, yeah. Raw was on top of things at the end. It's an interesting direction I didn't expect. There were some good matches on the show with Kale versus Black and New Day versus Ziggler and Rude being the highlights for me. Both nights of the draft, it felt it felt weird with other people like Braun who had been sort of unofficially drafted to Raw before the draft, or whole feuds like AJ and Jeff being moved to a new brain. It's also super upsetting and unsurprising to see Lars is still making appearances with his recent comments coming to light. Trying, yeah, he's he's referencing um more bodybuilding uh, posts as well as like. DMs apparently that uh, Lars has had sent on social media to. Um, yeah, this was on women. like a Reddit thread today about sending uh, unsolicited, inappropriate messages, and mm-hmm. it's the latest uh, thing that uh, Lars's name has been attached to, which is uh, yeah, not good. He says, trying to end on a positive note, I might be alone in enjoying the sillier aspects of wrestling sometimes, but I'm all in on Bray and Alexa. They had just the right amount of ridiculousness for me. Did we totally skip over uh, tonight where Alexa showed up? I totally skipped over it. It was right at the end where Andrade and 
Zelina Vega were in the ring. Zelina was checking on Andrade, and then the lights went out, and Alexa appeared. She's upside down in the corner, and the Fiend appears, and they gave simultaneous Sister Abigails to Andrade and Zelina Vega. So maybe that's going to be um, our our mixed feud for the could be the, yeah. on Raw. Could be then as. Uh... Yeah, who's babyface or who who's heel? Who knows? I'm, I'm, who cares? I, yeah, I don't feel confident enough to say at the moment. Noah from Vaughn. We live in a world that values Aleister Black at the same level as people like Peyton Royce, Titus O'Neil, Carmella, and Akira Tozawa. Unbelievable. Also, former NXT and U.S. champion Andrade went undrafted. How does this make sense? Can't ask that question. In the recap of the Braun Keith Lee brawl from last week, they mentioned how that wasn't going to count on their win loss record, but next week next week's match will, which begs the question, since when does WWE care about win loss records and when do the updated rankings come out? Uh tomorrow. They all, that's the answer every time. They come out tomorrow. Uh he thanks us for the show. Just Thank go to cagematch.com if you want. Yeah, that's that's their win loss record. It comes up when uh they have to come up with a selling point for Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. That's when win losses yeah. uh get brought up. Finally, we go to Alex from Portland who says that bump Lacey Evans took looked brutal. Why did Asuka start the match on commentary but finish it watching backstage? Um, maybe she had to go to the bathroom. Maybe like she the table broke. She really needed a table. Yeah, she's a professional. Yeah. She can't work in these conditions. He says, uh, and some of those picks WWE had tonight are confusing. Keith Lee drafted after Retribution. Titus O'Neil being drafted before Aleister Black. Lars Sullivan drafted to SmackDown before their IC champion Sami Zayn. And what about Andrade? Poor showing for these former NXT champions. Lastly, WWE may have booked themselves into a corner with Braun. He wasn't particularly dominant as champion, was pinned in two title matches in two consecutive weeks, had a no contest match on Raw. Now he's booked to face Roman Reigns on SmackDown and Keith Lee on Raw. Neither match in his favor. He doesn't feel at all like a guy that pinned Goldberg clean earlier this year. Five out of ten. Yes. I really expect non-finishes for at least one of those (laughs) If not both. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Expect non-finishes because these matches are... Dude, they can't beat Cedric Alexander. If that's the level we're at, why would you believe that you're getting any kind of conclusive... We do, at times, during this time of the year, when someone's moving brands, they will beat someone. So, I mean, they could have Reigns beat Braun with the idea that, well, it doesn't count because he's not on SmackDown anymore. So they'll have Reigns beat Braun, and then will they be tempted to have Braun beat uh, Keith Lee to maintain to regain his heat, like they had Kevin Owens beat Aleister Black tonight, or yeah, this, this precious heat that they have an abundance of for all these characters? Yeah, or non-finish. Yeah, you could have um, Elias show up with a guitar. You could have lights go out. Now you have Retribution and Bray on the same show, so you have multiple Ooh. electrical outages. Um, that's the trick. Who's appearing after the lights come off? Oh, yeah. Who's going to get like their, their JPEG files into the graphics department quicker? Are we going to get the, the Fiend faces or the Retribution logo on there? It's going to be really awkward when they both show up at the light switch. Yeah, we just cut to the back and like I the power generator. It's got Ali and the Fiend's hand is both grabbing for the, the <laughs> generator. <laughs> yes. Some great stuff. Um, I, I I get the point about like the draft positions and we joke about it. And 
if this was more like of a serious draft, sure, you can make these arguments. Could one of us possibly note who who was drafted late last year versus early? Doesn't matter. It doesn't. I mean, I it, think does, it does matter. Like if Drew McIntyre was drafted last, yeah, like that'd be weird. But like when he when it gets down to like somebody somebody like Alistair Black at the bottom, it's like who, who's going to remember that? No. Or your intercontinental champion that goes like seventeenth. Yeah. What? Anyway. Um. Anything else? Well, um, is there anything else? That's a great question. Um, you've got the Elimination Chamber to watch, so I'm going to say no. There is nothing else. But you're going to have plenty of us uh, later this week. As we mentioned, G1 shows coming out Tuesday, Wednesday, free show Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday. Plus, we've got the Survivor Series 2002 coming out on Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff out there. As always, it's the home stretch of the G1. So uh, everybody enjoy it. And uh, if if not, at least tune in for maybe a Friday's uh, A Block show, which is available again for everybody. So. You think we'll get clean finishes in the, the last three nights of the G1? Not for all the matches, but um, for most of them, yeah. What if they kill someone's heat? Ooh, good question. I don't know. It'll be over. You can't beat someone. All right, we'll have all of that uh, coming up this week. Uh, Thanks to everybody that has joined the Post Wrestling Cafe. We hope you're enjoying all of the G1 coverage. And, of course, Mike Murray and Mark Buckledy, they will have their written reports uh, right up through the finals on Sunday. So check all of that up at postwrestling.com. That is it for us. Way and I leave this show undrafted, but we will uh, be back nonetheless. So goodbye.